Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well met fellow adventurers. Okay, I'm going to finally do Proving Ground 6 from the dangerous shores of Sangard Island to the abattered streets of the powerful and remote city-state of Cardson. You'll find your fate and those of all the free nations of the North Broadlands entangled in a sinister web. A deadly snare spun by a faceless enemy. It is now squarely upon your shoulders, and those of your unlikely companion, the legendary master thief known only as the Owl, that the desperate helps of an impelled realm have now solemnly settled. Select the Owl Throne. Part 1. Setting Out As the cool breezes of the late of late summer give way to the harsh breath of the season of winter, you find yourself departing from Sangard Island Isle on the first leg of an adventure into the unknown. A journey that you hope will take you to the heart of the mysterious events that 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 have confronted you from the moment you set foot on those perilous shores. Beneath a star-spangled sky is the first scenario. Begin it. The following is an opening portion of a verse commonly known throughout the North Broadlands as Owl's Ballad. A tender wane damp maze below the tender grasp of night. A silent watcher perched above the starving moon, a lonely night. A sudden flare to scatter doom, the hastened step of fright. 
A sergeant breath on down cloud wing the owl takes to flight. Okay. Just after 18 minutes. Just after midnight, 18 hours ago, in a small chamber high within the easternmost of Sangard Keep's four grand towers. Abroad, rectangular table dominates the centre of the room, though stark interior is only dimly lit by the pale, flickering light of the single lamp. Two tall figures, seated at opposite ends of the table, have positioned themselves just beyond the feeble reach of the lamp's pitiful glow. They remain shrouded in the dense gloom that fills the otherwise empty chamber. The figure closest to the bolted door speaks first in a low but clear voice. Understand our friend is gone. The second figure shifts in his seat and lays his collapsed hands on the table before responding to the direct inquiry in a tone brimming with confidence. Yes, but there is no cause for alarm. He slipped from his noose sooner than we might have hoped, but it hardly matters. He'll fly now and undoubtedly seek to return to his nest. We will follow him to it. A moment's silence follows. I guess they're referring to the owl, because he's someone who has slipped a noose. A moment's silence follows. You're hopeful to a fault, suggests that I not be alarmed, grumbles the first voice. His fever didn't come to pass on our terms, and surely you must know that his rescuer is reason enough to rethink this plight. What if you find out about this man in the dungeon? Much. It's Tally's junior we found in his cell. Well, neither was loath to admit it. Seems that apart from being a jouster, Thakir's tasker, my mysterious friend may have other, more interesting and dangerous affiliations. Do tell. Tally's junior is clearly in league with the mercenaries. Captain who sits among our ranks. One whose sudden and vowless exploits against the Nauanok have failed, failed to earn the attention for which they so obviously begged. Milanor, yes. Your spies have trailed me. They have. Though we found reason to suspect that, tallies, that this Tally's junior is not what he seems. You're but certain the man discovered in the dungeons, and who meets in secretly with this Milanor, and whose name has risen on... on Risen in prominence on these shores is no other than Zoop, interrupts the first voice. It's as I expected and fierce. The most potent of Poen's puppets among us is cause enough for alarm. Always the ruinous meddler, just a good thing he proved to be. Needs to remember to whom he'll soon owe his allegiance. It will likely be decreed before another month is out. Okay. Some sort of political thing? What? Where Thane Mazapak is declared regent or chief Thane or advisor in chief or some or some role where he pretty much gets all the power? But just, 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 just in a nice way where it doesn't quite look like a coup, even though it probably is. 
Your fr our friend arrives in two days, says the second voice. We might very easily rid ourselves of this problem by his hand. Even the mighty Zoop will prove no match against his powers. Nothing will come of it. Poon do dare not reveal to us his hand in these affairs. Zoop is expendable to him, like the others. No, our friend is to know nothing of this, replies the first voice. We have reason to suspect that Zoop will depart from these shores, tucked under the wing, wing of his newfound ally. It's a long and perilous trek back to the nest in Carson. And only one of them need make it that far. Let them fly together. We will follow. And this Milanor, says a second voice, his tone slowly growing more sinister as the name of the mercenary captain is uttered. Another of Poland's agents, to be sure, replies the first. We will send him and his men out beyond the outer markers. Our friend will deal with him there. For several moments, both men sit in silence. The lamp flitters brightly for a few seconds and then goes out, leaving them in total darkness. Neither seems to care. And the advisor, says the second voice somewhat impatiently. We, all, we know all too well that he is a danger. That every breath is allowed to draw. Deal with him as you like, says the first voice. But not in these halls. He's no longer of any practical use. We have the other names as well. See to it they are dealt with before the week is out. Without another word, both men rise from the table and step forward to meet each other in a shoulder cross. With outstretched hands pressed firmly into each other's shoulders, they suddenly begin taking turns, relaying to each other what might only be described as, as portions of a curious and well-rehearsed voice. We wait as faithful wardens. The time draws near. Three times the sky will light. The hordes of the great heralds will sound. We are to be ready. We are to always be, be prepared. Nothing will prevent the return. There is no power that can. The two figures break off the shoulder cross and step back from one another. Then, without a word, another word, they turn and step out of the small chamber, closing the door softly behind them. The sound of their footfalls fades slowly into distance as they pass along the corridor and out of the tower that has served as the host for their fateful clandestine meeting. The small dark room occupied only by shadows and a lingering scent of the, lamp, of the lamp's last breath is once again empty. Almost empty. A slip of shadow, a blur of deep blue and trailing grey, the whisper of a softened footfall that worn timbers of the floor, a gentle breeze to stir the venements of the lamp's haze, then silence and stillness once more. The small chamber atop of Sangos Jeep, Keats' easternmost tower, is at last empty. And now, I ha—I don't really know who these people are. <laughs> uh, 
I don't think they're aligned with Thane Mazabank. Or at least, maybe? Yeah! It's so much intrigue! So much intrigue! Nearly four hours before the mark of midnight finds you standing atop the southernmost the keeps four grand towers pressed up against a chest-high power pet. Gazing out across the dust-draped landscape spread out below. Tomorrow morning, approximately two hours before sunrise, you are to meet the man you know only as Owl at the edge of the forested hills east of the keep. Only late this afternoon, you return to your quarters in the keep to find a loat carefully tucked away into a spot you've been instructed to watch. Spoke of tomorrow's tea pre-dawn meeting. Ah, and at once, your heart leapt with the promise of adventure. Almost immediately, you set out for the West Camp, eager to seek any counsel with Thane Pollen. Any aim council Thane Pollard might have to impart, impart, impart before you embark upon your journey. You just may discover that Munor and his mercenaries have been dispatched to an area north of the outer markers just hours ago. Return to the keep to prepare yourself for tomorrow's departure. Now, only a few hours away from the appointed time, you are to meet with Owl at the edge of the wooded hills east of the keep. You stand atop the stubbornmost of the keep's four grand tower, staring out across the dark, rolling slopes that fall away towards the isle's distant and rugged coast. Out of the corner of the eye, you catch sight of the twinkling lights from the west camp and turn to face them. Dozens of small, flickering yellow dots stab through the gloom. Loan, loaning at least some semblance of civilization to a scene that suddenly seems exceptionally wide and wild and savage. Beyond the camp, to the north, you can make out the fires that burn through the night at the base of the outer markers. Thoughts suddenly turn to your friend and ally, Thane Poland, known to all on Sangal as Milanor. And you pray that he and his brave get men will return safely from the urgent mission that called them away earlier today. Turning back to the south, you spot a dark line beyond the back, backs of the furthest hills. Realise it is a roaring sea that even now smashes mercilessly into the shores of the island, as it has done for centuries uncounted, and it will undoubtedly continue to do. Even long after the events of this age, and all of its dire perils are long forgotten. As you continue to turn your gaze in every direction, marvelling at all that you can see from this lofty vantage point, even in the absence of the sun's light, your mind suddenly becomes clouded with doubt and apprehension. And you find yourself wondering what lies in store for you in the days ahead, particularly the sudden sound of a soft footfall on the stairs leading up to the tower's battlements sends your pulse racing. Pressing your back to the parapet and firmly gripping your weapon, you turn about to confront whoever is moving up the steps. A lone figure emerges from the shadowy stairwell and steps onto the battlement. You're about to demand the person identify themselves, and you suddenly realise it's Telebra. Relieved, you relax your guard and welcome her, asking how it is she knew to find you here. 
I didn't, she says, murking. I'd like to be able to tell tell you that this was the first place I checked. This would be a lie. Been a while for grand tour of this palace. Before you can question her further, Telebar steps forward and meets you in a tender embrace. The huntress then steps back and slowly shakes her head. I've really put you've really put yourself up to it now, she says. You didn't try to hide it, Talis Junior. No you're leaving. I only ask that you take care of yourself and you return here when the business you have drives you from that drives you from these shores is gone. Stunned by the knowledge, by her, she has knowledge of the impending departure. You asked You swiftly asked Telebra how she came to know of it. Why, my dear sir, says Huncher smirking smirky, you need to maintain just a bit more faith in me. Telebra joins you at the power pet and peers out across the shadowy island, spread out beneath the star-spangled sky like a giant living map. A delicate hand takes hold of your own and she sighs. The huntress's gaze remains fixed on the dark, haunting beauty of the night-clad isle. You'll promise to take care of whatever woes you find yourself upon, won't you? She says at last, tightening her grip on your hand. You must promise to return here, no matter what. I will wait for you, Tallis Jr. No matter what befalls this place, we're taken aback by the sudden, direct, and seemingly portentous nature of her words. You're also struck by what you feel is a genuine and deep sediment of concern. You turn and face the huntress, and are once again immediately reminded of her beauty. Without hesitation, you promise her you will return to the isle. Telebar leans forward and places a tender kiss on your cheek before turning and peering out across all that rolls away into the darkness beneath your vantage point. Your hands clasp tightly together. The two of you stare out into the night, across the vast breadth of the tormented shores from which you will immediately depart on a journey that I hope will lead you to the very heart of the matters in which you now find yourself entangled. You are you are now, however, more, than t- more determined than ever to see this business through to its end, whoever it may prove to be, and to return to the isle. A length after a final lingering embrace, you bid farewell to Telebra, once again promising to return to Sarngard as soon as you can. But even now you remain uncertain as to what lies in store for you in the days ahead. By the time I'm ba- by the time you're back on these shores, I might just be running this place, she says, as you step onto the stairs and turn to bid her a last farewell. The sight of the alluring huntress, leaning back against the par- power bed, her face bathed in the pale, ghostly light of the silvered moon peering down out of the star filled sky. It's not one you will readily forget. With a final wave, you turn and descend the stairs, heading swiftly for your private quarters, determined to get at least a few hours of sleep before your appointed pre-dawn went rendezvous with the master thief, known to you only as Owl. You wake with a start, fearing you might have overslept, only to discover the glance out the window high on the wall the black sky is still awash with the glittering field of stars. 
wishing to make it to the Wanderer's Point in time, and eager to subsequently embark on your journey into the unknown, you promptly wise, gather and equip your gear, and steal into the silent passage outside your door. Moving swiftly and quietly along the empty corridors of the keep, you make your way out of the fortress and across a wide, tree-lined courtyard to the main gates. The guards state stationed at the entrance nod respectfully and open the iron-barred portal without question. You pass through the gates and soon find yourself walking briskly along a stony track that leads round the eastern side of the imposing structure. On the eastern side of the keep, you pass through the crumbling remains of an old courtyard that is apparently in the process of being rebuilt, taking great care not to make any unnecessary noise. You cautiously wind your way through the piles of stone and freshly cut timber towards a gaping hole in the outer wall of the once grand garden. As you approach the gap in the wall, the sound of footfalls behind quickens your pulse. Instinctively, you spin around, preparing to face whatever is moving up on you, only to find yourself staring at the dark, empty courtyard left in your wake. So I can continue on my way, remain here and attempt to spot who is behind you, use thievery or divination. I'll use um, thievery. Succeeded. Your cut 8 XP to thievery. Your cunning eye spots a figure crouched behind a nearby pile of cut stone. Confront the figure crouched behind the rubble. You step, step towards the heap of stone and boldly call out to the crouching figure to emerge from the shadows. Much to your surprise, the shadowy figure does as you command and steps out into the open to stand before you. Standing less than five yards from you in the gloom of the courtyard is a man with a face that's been blackened by what appears to be the soot or ash. There was something eerily familiar about the face staring back at you from beneath the grimy mass. Without warning, your heart nearly skips two beasts when you exhale sharply as you make a sudden and startling revelation. You are staring at yourself. Your uncanny likeness. Who you now realise bears equipment identical to your own, seems to recognise your surprised reaction, and quickly speaks. The voice you know better than any other. Your own. There isn't time. I have only moments. Listen to me. With your mind still wheeling, you struggle to comprehend what your mirror image is relating to you. You have to remember this, he says. Stepping forward and touching you off forearm, as if to assure you this is he is not just some elaborate illusion. When the fire comes, do not save him. Do not go back. All will be lost. You must run. Owl must be left behind. Do you understand? I am you. Do you understand? Suddenly your likeness cringes as few pain staggers back several steps. The magic is wearing thin. Do you understand? He sighs, and his thoughts adopt a frantic tone. With your thoughts now spinning, you manage a quick nod before saying that you will remember. 
without another word. Your likeness staggers back several more feet before suddenly shimmering brightly and disappearing. You are once again alone. Nerved by the encounter, but realising you've what you've been told is either an ominous warning or a future event, or some sinister ploy. You vow to remember every word. When the fire comes, do not save him. Do not go back. All will be lost. You must run. Owl must be left behind. With those words running through your head, you turn and swiftly make your way out through the gaping hole in the crumbling courtyard wall. Once beyond the courtyard, you move across a series of grassy fields to arrive at the edge of wooded of the wooded hills where you hope hope to wind up wander view with Owl and at last embark on a mysterious on this on the mysterious journey. With Sangar Keep now lost in the shadows to the west, you begin a sweep of the nearby hills, searching for any sign of your would be companion. Though it would have it, after only a few minutes, your keen eyes spot a figure seated on a low, bound branch, like the L, foot of a steep slope. As you approach, the figure nimbly drops to the ground and strolls over to meet you. You once again find yourself standing face to face with the Master Thief. You've taken less care than I thought you might, he scoffs, some pleasant tone and confrontational manner catching you off guard. Except one to the whole keep doesn't know where you've gone. No matter, let's go. There's, an, there's another rendezvous with, we, we are to keep, we are to get ourselves off this hoid aisle. Somewhat put off by the unfriendly greeting, you are to put it behind you as you move off into the wooded hills with the owl. As you embark upon a swift and somewhat arduous trek through the wooded hills east of Sangar Keep, Al apologises for earlier marks and tells you these sorts of endeavours do much to play on his nerves. It's not the sort of venture I particularly enjoy, he says, glancing at you sideways as you carefully as he carefully bends back a low-hanging branch before stepping back, stepping past it. But a bit more at ease when the keep is far behind us. Afraid I know a bit too much to be able to relax my guard guard here. Curiously note that Al carries no visible weapon, indeed very little gear of any time. He's clad in heavy in a heavy cloth tunic and worn leather breeches. A small cloth pack tings, clings tightly to his pack back, fastened by a crude length of rope that runs around his midsection. A pair of soft leather boots cover his feet, and every step he takes, though quick, seems to be chosen with great pair. You ask Owl where it is you're headed, only to be taken aback. He tells you that the ultimate destination is Carlson. His answer suddenly brings into focus the grand scale of the adventure you've only just embarked upon. For few indeed are places you can really bring to mind. So further removed from the shores of Sangard Island in the remote city-state south of Tysa. I suppose the Thane hasn't told you much, he says, looking back over his shoulder to you. Well, to be fair, he knows little enough about it. I'll keep no secrets from you, Zoop. I don't take your companionship lightly. 
only too grateful to have you at your side. You're about to ask ask Al how he intends to get off the island when he again speaks, answering your query before you can voice it. There's a ship waiting for us on the coast, he says. I should say, I pray it is still waiting for us. Might be the bottom of the split by now. Well, if that's the case, we'll need to find some other way. Don't think evil is up to swimming out to Shrine Island. The very mention of the legendary island, which juts just off the southeast coast of Sangar, garners your profound interest. You are well aware of the tales of, of the ancient ruins strewn across the small rocky island and of the fearsome beasts said to guard its many hidden treasures. There's a link to Shrine Island. This small island, too small to appear on most maps, is located just off the southeast coast of Sangard Isle, in the, tur- in the turbulent and treacherous waters of the Sand Split. The ruins of, of an ancient swat shrine of unknown origins dominate the rocky hills in the middle of the island. Many legends tell of a fearsome beast that prowls the island and guards its ancient shrines. In many of the tales, this creature is referred to as the Beast of Shrine Isle. I'm probably going to have to end up fighting that at some point. Because that's the rules. If you hear of a beast, you will end up fighting it. But we've got to get there first. Yes. It's our first stop, he says. There's something I've been tasked to retrieve from the old temple at its peak. You make mention of the legend of the guardian beast said to roam the shores of Shrineland. And I'll cast you a wide, wide grin. Never been, never been quite keen on creatures of that sort. If indeed the old tales are even true, he says. But come what may, for a fellow at my side, that I've heard is fairly good at that sort of thing. Or so I've heard sung at more than one outhouse, and from a certain mutual acquaintance. How did you ever get mixed up with Prond in the first place? The leagues between Sargod Keep and the rugged and the rugged island coast moat away beneath your feet as you find yourself lost in deep and fascinating conversation with Owl. The Master Thief seems generally eager to hear about your many adventures. And while he mentions one or two of his own, he can't help but feel he's never truly relating to you the full story. Gradually, as day dawns bright over the island, the forested hills through which you're travelling give way to the wo- to roiling, boulder-strewn, glassy, grassy plains that stretch out towards the nearby rocky coast. You're not far off now, says Owl, as the two of you climb out of the small hollow and pause to survey the land before you, and rest your legs. It seems we might. A sudden rush of air is immediately followed by Owl's agonised cry. Your companion staggers forward, clutching at the shaft of an arrow protruding from his left thigh. He curses as he drops to his knees, and desperately works to remove the missile. Instinctively, he spins your white, scanning the nearby hills for the source of the arrow. Within moments, two more of the deadly shafts scream past, coming within inches of you. Suddenly, your eyes eyes are drawn to the hilltop to your white. There, perhaps only twenty yards from where 
where you st from where stand two men from where you stand two men each hurriedly readying their weapons for another volley come on cries Yao, casting aside the bloody shaft and, and wrapping a torn length of cloth tightly over the wound leave them let's go so I've got a few options. I can use archery, elementalism, fortification, telekinesis, or I could charge at them, or I could attempt to flee out of the range of the archers. I think I'll use fortification. Failed. Took the two arrows slam into you. Pain explodes through your body. The shafts bury them. Shafts bury themselves deep in the right side of your torso. 72, 42 stamina points lost. Severely wounded, but still alive, you manage to retain your footing. From far behind, from behind you, Owl's desperate, desperate shouts reach your ears. The Master Thief is still pleading with you to flee. Okay, I'm going to heal from that first. Okay, so I can continue to charge at them, or I could flee. Now, I'm going to go along with what Owl says, because, honestly, he's more familiar with the sort of stuff that happens on this island. With Owl limping behind, you attempt to put a safe distance between yourself and the archers. You turn about to go back and help the wounded thief along, but he, he hurriedly dismisses your gesture. Don't worry over me, he cries. They're shooting at you! Alright, pick a number. Bonus of 50. 20 from agility, 20 from body, 10 from spirit. Got to get 75 or more to dodge these arrows. Or outrun these arrows. Or whatever. Pick now. 104 is a success. After several moments of frantic flight, both you and Al have safely moved yourself beyond the range of the archers. At last, removed from the immediate threat of the two archers, you and Owl come to a stop. The thief adjusts just a blood-soaked length of cloth tied around his upper thigh and grimaces. I think I was targeted by mistake, he says. They were firing on you. I've suffered worse, though. Come on, let's be off. You and Owl set off across the grassy pla plains, leading up to the steep cliffs that form much of the eastern coast of Sarngard. As you draw near to the first protrusions of stone that hint at the cavernous cliffs ahead, you cross an old and overgrown stone-paved road. I will tell you that the road is a reminder of the glory days of the island, and once connected the southern harbour with the wines and quarries of the north. Soon after passing over the road, you make your way into the cliffs at the edge of the coast. Even at this height, nearly 50 feet above the wading ocean, you can hear the roar of the tumultuous waves as they slap against the island shore. You discover a narrow, rocky track leading down towards the stony inlet below. I will tell you that with a hidden cove at the back of the inlet, you find the means to reach the ship that hopefully waits just off the coast. Reminded by his mention of the ship, you stare out across the sea, but, the, but a rolling bank of fog makes it impossible to see further than perhaps 50 yards from shore. 
Without the lead, you begin a careful descent along the narrow cliffside track towards the inlet below. The going proves exceptionally slow, as Owl's wounded leg seems to bring him adversity with each step that he takes on the howling, howling descent. After several minutes, you're nearly halfway down the track when a large shadow drapes itself over you and your limping companion. The two of you shoot your gazes skyward, where you behold a sight that inspires immediate and profound dread. Owl gasps. High, high above, soaring against the dense grey scene of clouds, its dark wings fully extended, is a large dragon. The two of, two of you stand frozen on the narrow track, your back pressed firmly, pressed securely into the side of the cliff. You watch with fascination and fear as the massive creature begins circling. It's watching us. We're quite mistaken, says Al, not taking his eyes from the dragon. This is no chance sighting, no coincidence. Is he, is he for watching us or hunting us? Hunting us. I'll greatly prefer the first of those, mind. Suddenly, the dragon takes an abrupt, abrupt turn and begins a rapid descent. As its fearsome form looms larger and larger above you, Owl curses and flashes you a concerned glance. Arrows? And now dragons? Just how many enemies have you got? Well, I'll take a while. I haven't got time to do that right now. That would be another episode, nearly. <laughs> Suddenly, as the winged beast continues its swift descent, you notice something odd about the dragon's wings and come to a startling and welcome conclusion. The creature rapidly approaching you is not a dragon at all. It's a chokerick, docile, winged reptile. Chokerick are commonly employed as mounts particularly in the southern reaches of the world, and there's a link to them. The Chotterwick. These large, docile, winged reptiles are commonly mistaken for dragons, though the shape of, their, of, the, of the wing, their wings would usually give them away. Unlike dragons, Chotterwick do not possess a bre breath weapon and are easily trainable as mounts. Though where in the northern reaches of Swift, Chotterwick are quite common Far south. Ooh. So whoever this is is from the south, where where Cardson is. Well, actually, it's further, way further south than Cardson, where these things go on. You you voice your discovery to Alan. The thief nods. What's that on its back? He asks. No sooner have the words left his lips, he spots a tall figure holding a long staff, seated between two lumps in the centre of the, the massive reptile's bony spine. As the Chotterwick soars lower, coming almost perilously, perilously close to the edge of the cliffs, you note the figure seated upon its back is a woman. Without warning, the woman levers her staff at you and unleashes a, a massive bolt of bolt of flame crackles as it hurtles through the air towards you. You, shout, you turn to shout a warning to, Zoo, to Owl, only to find it nowhere to be seen. 
You've only scant seconds before you will surely be consumed by the deadly blast of flame. So, I have a few options here. I've got fortification, elementalism, the telekinesis was at 70, I could use that. I could attempt to dodge the bolt of flame or flee down the narrow stony path. I will use fortification. It succeeded. 24 experience to fortification. You hastily call upon your power fortification and are relieved when a shimmering curtain of blue sparkles suddenly appears before you. The hurtling bolt of flame slams into your magical barrier and explodes upon impact, sending a shower of, glow of glowing embers down into the inlet far below. As the choker soars past and begins to climb into the sky, you quickly resume your descent along the narrow track, eager to reach the inlet before your staff-wielding assailant can unleash another attack. Several moments later, a whisky, silent glance reveals the Chiltrock is once again soaring upwards towards the lofty ceiling of the dense grey clouds. You reach the base of the hillside track, but find no sign of Owl, keeping one eye fixed on the sky above, in case the Chiltrock and its fire-wielding riders should return. You move eastward towards the sound of crashing waves the entrance to the stony inlet. As you reach the narrow shoreside entrance to the inlet, you once again gaze up at the sky, immediately spot the Chotwick, now little more than a dark speck circling against the deep grey backdrop high above. After several broad circles, the massive winged reptile turns and flies off to the west and quickly passes out of sight. What is to be apparently rid of the flying beast and its fire-wielding wilder? You wade through a pool of frigid, waist-deep water and move into the sheltered cove at the back of the inlet. As you round a wall of stone and wave into the cove, you spot Owl and another man, shorter and wider than the Master Thief, standing on a rocky landing next to a small wooden boat. Well... Here he is, says Al, greeting you with a wave and a broad grin. I thought you would have wanted to follow me down, while well, to stay up there and tangle with that beast wider. Slightly annoyed by his wide commentary, you say nothing as you wade ashore and the two join the two men at the side of the boat. Al quickly introduces you to the man and tells you that his name is Gavilar. Gavilar is an old friend. He happens to be first mate on the ship anchored just offshore, he says. We're almost off this forsaken island. Gavilar meets you in a shoulder cross and tells, tells, you, tells you now that you must make haste. The captain can't hold anchor for, for long out there, he says, pushing back his dark, long dark locks as he drags the small and seemingly unseaworthy craft into the water. Seas roiling out there today. Worst we've seen in this stretch in months. We look out at the waiting sea below the mouth of the inlet, but you but you can see nothing past the thick bank of fog that seems to be slowly creeping towards the shore. The fog will make it a bit tough, I'm afraid, says Gavilar, as as if he sensed your concern. The ship's straight out for the most part, though. I'm not all that bad in the muck either. 
Well, old Tarnidor knows his waters better than most of Al. I don't suppose any of this troubles him at all. It's not the captain I'm worried about, of course, Miss Gaffer. It's the ship. The San Howell isn't quite what she was a few years back. Enough voyages up and down the split have seemed to that. See if we can fight. If we find it at the top of the waves, we've got nothing to worry about. The th we're, with the three of you seated aboard the small wooden boat, the vessel seems exceptionally unseaworthy. You take comfort in the, in the fact that Galflar doesn't seem the least bit concerned. Alas, with both, with both of his thick-fingered hands gripping the oars, the first mate takes the tiny craft out of the cove, through the inland, and into the churning waters of the open ocean. You keep your eyes focused eastward as the creeping, creaking boat lurches out into a perilous tide, desperately seeking any sign of the vessel known as the San Hal, for the roiling, rolling wall of fog. That finishes this scenario. This part of the Proving Ground 6 with 384 experience to general and 32 experience to all skills and powers. And those rewards are going to get a lot bigger as we get deeper into this Proving Grounds. The next scenario is the San Howl. But for now... We're going to save, and next time we'll move on to that. But until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.